Welcome, and thanks for joining the Closed End Fund Association for another discussion. Today, we will hear from an industry expert who shares insight on a timely issue affecting the Closed End Fund space. Good morning, everyone. I'm Libby Hastert. Today, we have a special treat for you. For this discussion, we're going to travel to Europe with Gerd Kirsten from DWS, part of the Deutsche Investment Management Group. Gerd is a Chartered Financial Analyst and CFA Institute member. He spends his days managing the European Equity Fund and working closely with his colleague, Valerie Schuler, who manages the New Germany Fund. During the next 20 minutes or so, we're going to examine investor flows that now have us looking to Europe for investment ideas. We'll also walk through the macro case for portfolio exposure to the European market and consider how these markets may benefit from the application of active management. Lastly, we're going to zero in on Deutsche's bottom-up stock selection process, identifying where GERD sees accessible opportunities in today's current market. Now, without further ado, I'd like to turn things over to today's market guide, GERD Kirsten. GERD, you've been managing various funds for over two decades now, including, um, most recently, portfolio manager as the European Equity Fund um, in the Deutsche family of closed-end funds. So this fund seems to be broadly invested across the various sectors in European countries. Can we start with the macroeconomic picture in Europe? And are there some shifts politically in the region and Brexit that are still being worked out affecting that? And really, more broadly, how is Europe positioned to compete and grow going forward? Gerd, can I turn things over to you? Yeah, uh, thank that, that's exactly those three points are really uh, critical to set the framework here. Um, and let's get one thing out of the way first, which is politics. Obviously, you have a lot of media hype when events like Brexit happen. Currently, it's Italy. But you know, I don't think I have to tell Americans that uh, if you have crazy politics, does not mean the economy can't grow and the stock market can't rise. So uh, what's happening right now in Italy is, we believe can be very much contained. They are forming a government. They will not default on their debt, what some people uh, fear that can be contained. What's forgotten often is that Europe actually is on a structural reform path. The EU is improving. There is a lot of pressure after Brexit to reform Brussels, to streamline it. Uh, France has been a good example of how reforms have happened. So things are happening. Then the other thing, you mentioned macroeconomic environment. Whenever we have a global recovery, a synchronized global recovery, which we are having right now, Europe is one of the best regions to have, or if not the best, because we are very export-oriented. We depend on growth in America, in China, in the emerging markets, and that's where growth is coming from. So we're very much levered towards that. The third point you mentioned, competitive advantage. There are certain industries well-known, not, not just us Germans, but uh, well-known throughout the region for good engineering, not just building cars, which has become much more of a global business, but very much in the machinery area, also uh, in the technology sector, very much underrated often here in Europe compared to the U.S., but it's a prospering technology sector, especially also on the medical side, medtech is, uh, whereas the U.S. obviously is dominant in biotech, we have uh, amongst the best medtech firms. So the competitive environment is a good one. Uh, we've got a, a, a labor force that's very accessible, well-educated, and good wages. So the overall competitive positioning of Europe is improving. 
And for those listening in, you know, we sometimes speak about Europe as a single entity, but really it's a diverse group of countries. How important is country allocation to your portfolio, or are you more driven by individual stock selection? Yeah, that really has over the, I would say, last 10, 20 years has really changed in that um, because what I was talking about, the advantages of the common market, the competitive advantages we have, that we've grown together. That's why country allocation is much less important. It is important for risk events, but what we actually, um, we've evolved in in terms of our investment process. Uh, Country allocation is a thing of the past. Sector allocation plays a role, but it's also really a thing of the past. But what we want to focus on is try to get the best bottom ideas that you can get. So try to be as unconstrained in the initial process of screening ideas and discussing ideas. Now, and and then uh, concentrating the portfolio. Um, When when we do like a stock, we take strong bets there. But when you have such an approach, what's very important is at the other end uh, on your risk management that you look at those factors, that you do look at, and that's what we do with our, we have amongst the most sophisticated risk models. We do look at, do we have a, a country tilt? Do we have a sector tilt? But then we also go beyond that and we look at various investment factors. Do we have a quality tilt on our portfolio? Do we have a momentum tilt, defensive versus cyclical? So that's really around the whole risk management area. And if we do have risk that we don't want, then we'll adjust the portfolio. So I think the whole idea is to get the best ideas into the portfolio with big weights and then certainly have a very diligent risk management. And with the diversity of countries and companies in your investment universe, do you feel like there's an advantage to having an actively managed fund? Yes, certainly, especially in Europe where things are not quite as efficient as they may be in top developed markets like the U.S. Just one, just starting with the investment universe, typically on the passive side when you track indices, there, you know, the DAX index has 30 stocks, the, the Eurostox 50 has 50 and then they go up to a couple of hundred. But what we look at is over 2,000 stocks that we screen. Um, they're all liquid. I mean, Europe has certainly more than 2,000, but 2,000 stocks that we screen that are liquid enough for our portfolios. And that's our investment universe to start off. So, so that's much bigger. The second point is that we take very dynamic weightings in our portfolio. That means, we, as I said before, we very concentrated portfolios. We want to have each of these ideas to have a strong impact in terms of performance, and you don't have that if you have a passive strategy. The third thing is a bit more sophisticated, in, but is a real opportunity now, and that's the dispersion of valuations within each sector or within each subsector. Um, for example, if you have industrial stocks and they all trade around the same multiples, it's very difficult to do. You can do stock picking, but the opportunity set um, of different returns going forward is, is difficult. Uh, and that what we've seen is that these valuation dispersions have expanded and that the opportunity set to do stock picking is bigger now. And that usually is a phase when actively managed funds uh, perform much better. And in the case of the European Equity Fund and the New Germany Fund, it seems that stock selection is critical to really building those portfolios. Can you discuss the key factors in your investment process that lead to a company making it into these portfolios? Yeah, there's a number of very strong pillars that we work with, and 
the first of all is certainly the people involved. We have probably one of the biggest European equity teams managing funds. Uh, we're 30 fund managers that, and we're not only located here in Frankfurt. Actually, it's, it's a big advantage to be very local. Uh, we're located in Frankfurt, in uh, Switzerland, in Spain, as well as in the UK. And I think a big advantage over our competitors who mostly sit in London um, is that we we are on the ground, we can kick the tires here, we speak the language, you know, we're not only German, but we speak French, we have Italian, we have Spanish colleagues, and that's a real advantage when we talk to management. That's the, the, really the second part of our investment process is, you know, you need a good team, but you need to do your homework, and that's, you know, we need meet management, we have about 1,600 management meetings every year. We really drill down. We, we try to pinpoint the key issues before we go into these interviews. Then uh, we are very tough with company management, trying to find out whether they um, whether there is momentum in the business, whether there are any risks involved. So that's a key thing that is really to kick the tires there. And then the third thing is, even if you have a good team and you do your homework, you have to know what the market is saying and where the consensus is. Otherwise, you have the same opinion as everyone else. And if everyone is really positioned that way, you won't make much of a difference. So the third step is really that we, we are very conscious of what the consensus, both the sell side as well as the buy side, how are sell side brokers rating these stocks. Uh, if everyone has a buy on it, you know, do we really also want to buy it? And we look at the sentiment changing. When earnings revisions are changing positively, uh, we like those turnaround points. And that's a core part of our investment philosophy, that we don't want to fight the market. We want to see where there are opportunities to add value. Where are we different from the consensus? And I think those three points really make the difference. And earlier we did touch on active management, and I think you really showed how instrumental your team is You know, with these two funds. But for EEA and GF, what do you believe important advantages are for these two funds? Yeah, there are two. Uh, on EEA, we use an approach that we call the stability approach, which really helps it give a very asymmetric risk return profile. Uh, what do I mean with that? We call it stability because we it's not that we buy uniquely low-risk stocks. That's not the low-volatility approach that some funds have. And how do we do that? Very important here is the screening. We screen according to investment factors. We use quality, we use value, we use growth and momentum, and there are a number of factors behind that to initially screen and which factors make sense in which investment phase that changes. And that's why we use this screening, which helps us then to focus which companies do we want to talk to, which ones do we want to analyze more closely. Uh, and then take into the portfolio. Now, before we take one into the portfolio, we also have a quality filter, which entails to look at how volatile have earnings been in the past, uh, how often do the companies deliver uh, negative earnings surprises, and a whole host of other factors. And then the last thing, uh, yeah, I mentioned risk management earlier. Uh, with the stability approach, we have a very strict risk management we like to hold our stocks for the long term. And then the result, as I mentioned, asymmetric. Um, on uh, New Germany, it's in a way uh, nice and simple because uh, New Germany is very focused, obviously, on, on a single country. 
and uh, is focused on small mid-caps. So that investment universe is highly attractive in itself. Germany is showing persistent competitive advantages within Europe. So that's very attractive. And finally, for New Germany, it's an even more concentrated portfolio. If you look at the top 10 holdings, they're about 50% of the uh, total portfolio. So uh, you get a very, a very active fund here. You spoke about how both of these funds can play a key role in both bear and bull markets. But in recent periods, U.S. investors have been adding exposure to Europe as a potentially better value than the U.S. equity markets. Outside of these funds, do you think it's still timely for U.S. investors to add diversification with European equity exposure? Yeah, excellent question. And I'd say it's actually more than timely. We look at these long-term trends. We look at valuation differentials. And we look at earnings growth differentials. And what the, the conclusion that we have right now, if you just look at valuation, first of all, there's, if you take the cyclically adjusted PE ratio, often known as the Schiller PE, we're actually at a 40-year high discount for Europe versus the U.S. It's similar if you take a price to book uh, or dividend yield. We actually have a record gap in terms of the dividend yield that European companies pay uh, versus what you get on government bonds or on corporate bonds. There's a very nice spread. So that valuation and having record valuation gaps is always a very good starting point. Now, the key is what can make, what can happen, what will make a change, what will make the gap close. And that's where, as from the U.S. point of view, you have to also consider, of course, that within the U.S. or where did the U.S. equity outperformance come from, and obviously, some of the more recent factors are more than priced in now. The, the technology rally, as I said, technology has a much bigger weight in the U.S. than it has in Europe. You know, in Europe, it's expanding, though. And that rally is certainly not the youngest anymore. And the other factor is, for the U.S. that was very beneficial was certainly the corporate and personal income tax cuts and the growth boost that's happening right now. But equity markets have certainly priced that in as well. On a relative basis, then you have to compare it with what's happening in Europe. And there you have to say, well, you know, is the structural framework, is it that different? Yes, the U.S. has some advantages in terms of having less red tape, but even regulation has exploded over the recent 10 years. The current administration is trying to, to lower that. Uh, I mentioned Europe, you know, the structural uh, the regulation is complicated, but also reform is happening. So that's about even. But one thing that definitely makes it very likely that the gap is going to close are the cyclical factors. Europe is, as I mentioned, very much geared towards exports. And what are the key export markets amongst the ones with the highest differential growth are emerging markets. And we've had a lull. There are a number of companies that even China, which had the fastest growth, had a slowdown. Uh, that's re-accelerating. Um, we've had things like the Russian crisis, also a big market. That's stabilized. Brazil was horrible in a horrible recession. That's stabilized. Uh, India is performing well. So you really, as, as a European investor, you have to have a very global view. And when you see all these markets stabilizing or uh, re-accelerating, then you see, oh, our export companies can, will benefit. And we get them at much cheaper valuations than you get similar U.S. companies. 
And the other point is the recent oil prices. The oil price rise is actually um, beneficial, more beneficial for Europe. It may seem counterintuitive at first, but we've seen a lot of our companies, there's a big energy sector here, by the way, and then we see a lot of that positive inflation coming through into the chemical space, and we see pricing power there, especially this accelerating into 2018 now. So um, overall, in sum, we expect earnings to grow double-digit this year. They did grow double-digit last year after having a lull of many years of close to 0% growth. Um, this would be the second year of double-digit earnings growth. And uh, at the end of the day, that's what it's all about in order to get investment returns. Yeah, thank you, Gerd. Um, I think you gave investors both U.S. and globally a lot to think about. You know, you made a a great market guide, and and I appreciate you really walking us through that with the complex but really exciting European equity market. And I look forward to hearing more and see how this plays out. Thank you. Thank you for joining us. We hope you will stop by again for news on this ever-changing space. Until next time, connect with us on Twitter at at CEF Association or by searching for the Closed End Fund Association on LinkedIn and YouTube. The opinions and forecasts expressed are those of DWS as of May 2018 and may not actually come to pass. This information is subject to change at any time based on market and other conditions and should not be construed as a recommendation of any specific security. For purposes of ERISA and the Department of Labor's fiduciary rule, we are relying on the sophisticated fiduciary exception in marketing our services and products through intermediary institutions and nothing herein is intended as fiduciary or impartial investment advice. Investing in foreign securities, particularly those of emerging markets, presents certain risks, such as currency fluctuations, political and economic changes, and market risks. Any fund that concentrates in a particular segment of the market or a particular geographical region will generally be more volatile than a fund that invests more broadly. To obtain a summary prospectus, if available, or prospectus, download one from www.dws.com for more information regarding the fund's objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Investment products offered through DWS Distributors, Inc. Advisory Services are offered through Deutsche Investment Management Americas, Inc. The brand DWS represents DWS Group, GM, BH, and Co., KGAA and any of its subsidiaries, such as DWS Distributors, Inc., which offers investment products, or Deutsche Investment Management Americas, Inc., and RREEF America, LLC, which offer other advisory services.